Hello and welcome. My name is Tom Ratcliffe and this is the Mindful Innovation Podcast and I'm extremely excited to be here yet again with another episode and we're speaking to another fantastic guest uh, talking all about mental health, self-help and self-improvement and this show is all about introducing new and innovative ways to think about yourself and the world around you, helping to empower you day by day through positive and encouraging topics. Now this next guest, I can't wait to speak to him and hear all about his story. Uh, Now we've worked together for quite some time, I've known him for quite some time now, Um, I've seen him uh, flourish not only as a person but seen his business um, go everywhere, expand exponentially. It's been great to see, uh, and also working with him uh, on film projects and things. Uh, so this next guest is Brad Lancaster, um, head chef and owner at Caster's Restaurant. A big welcome to you, Brad. Thank you so much for joining me. It'll be great to hear your story. Thank you very much for having me, mate. I'm looking forward to it. Amazing. Uh, so how, how have you been? What, what, what have you been up to? Yeah, I've been really good, thanks. Um, obviously, with Caster's being shut, um, at the moment, um, all the staff are currently just having some time out. You know, there's a well-deserved break after the busy Christmas period we had. You know, we managed to get just up to Christmas Day. We were open and then obviously we got shut due to the tier system and then further down over to the UK lockdown. Um, but apart from that, you know, all the staff have been relaxing. Um, you know, we started now to plan ready for the reopening. Um, we're, we're very looking forward to reopening. We're hoping it's only going to be you know, two months away now. We're hoping the middle of middle of May, start of May, we're going to be back up and running. Um, so yeah, like I said, at the minute, it's just a very relaxing time for us. It's um, at the moment, it's quite rare for people in our industry to get this much time off. Um, so for some people, obviously, they will be losing their losing the world to live. And um, but fortunately for myself, I'm, I'm quite enjoying relaxing, having a bit of time to myself, and uh, putting myself first for a bit. So yeah, it's. It's quite enjoyable at the moment. Amazing, yeah. Like you say, obviously, like your industry is, it's it's always been up and go all the time. So, like you say, to have this long extended period of time of not really doing it can be, like you say, quite good. Also, at the same time, you really want to get out there and do it again. Um, but obviously, I've been following you. You're, you're online. Obviously, you're the, the casters page and things. Seen all the great things you were doing um, before lockdown, mm-hmm. during lockdown. It's been great. And obviously, I can't wait for you to all come back. Um, so just before we kick in then, um, hear all about your story and what you've been doing, I just thought the listeners w- would benefit from hearing just a bit bit, bit more about you and, and your story and how you first started out. So could you give us a bit of a brief background as to how you started and what you do um, and, and how you've got to where you are today? Uh-huh, sure. Um, so obviously the only thing I'm really known for is chefing. Um, it's all I've done all my life. I started working in a, a kitchen when I was 14, washing pots. Um, school wasn't really for me. Um, you know, I was always there, I was attended school. Um, but 14, you know, I was, you know, in tech food class doing, you know, curries. And I just really enjoyed the concept of cooking and flavors. And when people were eating your food, I enjoyed the fact that it was making people smile. Um, and it was always a famous quote. I always remember saying, the fondest memories are made around the table. Um, so from that, I always thought I could really see myself in this industry long term. Um, so obviously 14, 15, I was still in school. Um, 16, obviously I left school. Um, I did an apprenticeship at a local restaurant called Flutes. Um, I think at that time I was still doing my GCSEs um, and I walked I, think I walked away with two GCSEs. Um, believe it or not, I actually failed tech food, um, which is 
quite funny. But I, <laughs> yeah, so I walked away with, I think it was PE and, um, and Tech RM. So it was nothing ever to do with what I wanted to do, um, but it just happened. So yeah, I was at my, obviously, apprenticeship at 16. And then after a year there, I moved to Peck's Restaurant. Um, in my area, it's a very well-known restaurant, fine dining, um, you know, seven-course meal. I was there for 12 months. I learned a lot, a hell of a lot. Um, and it was a great time. And then when I turned 18, I then moved down south um, to London, Camden Town, working for Gordon Ramsay. I was there for, what was I there for? A year and a half. Um, and then I went abroad um, to Ibiza. Um, I was working in a restaurant called Casita for a year. Um, and then I was doing a lot of private chef work in hotel, not hotel, sorry, in villas. Um, and then after the season, because obviously you only work for seven months of the year there, I then went forward and back for two years from Ibiza back to Gordon Ramsay um, until I was 21 years old. Um, so I did summer in Ibiza, winter at Gordon Ramsay's in Camden Town. Then when I was 21, I went, well, I decided to make the leap and stay local. Um, so I managed to land myself a fantastic uh, job opportunity as a head chef at the Wheat Chief in Sandbach. Um, I was actually only there for a short period of time, six or seven months. Um, you know, running a kitchen was, was something I could see myself doing for a long, long time. So it was a family member that kind of said off the cuff, you know, over dinner saying, you know, all you do is run a kitchen. It's, it's all you do. You live and breathe it. Why don't you open your restaurant? Uh, and that night I went on Google and was on right move, commercial properties, looking for everything you could think of. And then I think it was the week after that, we went to view um, a restaurant. We walked in with my mum and dad. Mum and dad were against it. I thought it was the stupidest thing I've ever thought of in my life. But um, yeah, we walked in. And I think I pestered them for, I think it was about three to four months, just constant, constant. And I think they got that bored of me here and about the, you know, what I wanted to do. They kind of caved in and, you know, they supported me and opened my first restaurant at 21. It was a uh, very intense first 12 months were, but, you know, we managed to get a good reputation. And then after 12 months, uh, we expanded to All Sager. So we shut the Congleton branch and moved to All Sager, um, tripled in size, tripled in staff. Um, and now we've been there, it'll be two years this coming June. Um, and that's where we are today, really. Um, now I'm 24, 25 in June. So uh, that's basically my story, I guess. And I'm looking forward to seeing where this year ends up. It's brilliant, you know, because obviously, like, like you say, the coming from just, like you say, from school and then to have your own restaurant that's tripled in size and that kind of thing. And I'm not even joking, I've been around the local area on nights out when, before the lockdown of things, and everyone was talking about it and they were always mentioning, oh, look, have you seen what Casas has done? And, oh, the, the new Casas thing. And I was like, oh, well, I know about Casas, I know Brad's, that kind of thing. It, it was great It was great to not only know you, but then to hear so many people talking about it, it's fantastic. And to hear you, you know, go through that story is brilliant. Um, I think um the the question on everyone's lips is what was it like you know working with with Gordon Ramsay in that kind of environment or in in, in that kind of area you know what what was that like because obviously there, there are some pressures obviously as we'll know from television that kind of thing what what was that like um a lot of people obviously always say is it is it like what it's like on tv um and from my experience obviously every one of his kitchens different i think when i worked for him he had 16 restaurants in london at the time um so the restaurant I was working on was called York and Albany 
Um, it was awarded Best Gastro Pub in Britain at the time when I was working there. So there was a lot of, you know, a lot of eyes on the restaurant. Um, we did cook for a lot of celebrities. The pressure was extremely intense. I mean, it was something that I don't know if I could personally go back to. Um, the hours were crazy, crazy, crazy hours. Um, but at the same time, I don't think I'd ever change it um, because from what I learned, obviously, in that year was some of the most incredible things I probably could never find anywhere else in such a short space. Um, everything had to be perfect. Um, there was a lot of shouting. There was a lot of breakups. Um, you know, there was a lot of times where, you know, you'd, you'd find staff, you know, having to go to hospital because they were that tired and they were cutting themselves and staff weren't waking up because they were that tired. And they were, there was a, it was like a, an emotional roller coaster. Uh, even for myself, you know, I ended up sometimes not turning to work because I was that tired and I couldn't physically wake myself up. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it was very still intense and I still loved every minute of it. Um, but yeah, I, I would recommend to anyone who's getting into this chef industry, 100% always go with a top restaurant like that um, at a young age because you do have a lot more energy now and I don't think I could go back to it now. Even though I'm 24, it's still very, very intense. <laughs> Wow, I can imagine. I can imagine it's almost like you know jumping in the deep, deep end and learning to swim, you know, in that deep end. It sounds great, and obviously the the, the pressures. I couldn't even imagine what kind of things you have to experience. Yeah. But I can, <laughs> but I, I can see how that's built you as a person. The kind of skills you developed is unreal. You know, the mm -hmm. kind of food you're producing is, is absolutely amazing. So obviously, I know, I know you touched on the pressures of that, and also you know, you know, with family members perhaps being against the idea of opening your own restaurant, even though you've recognised that you know this is your passion. So what kind of challenges and adversity have you faced then throughout your journey that, that those kind of things where you've really had to overcome them to get where you yeah. are yeah um to be fair the list's kind of endless um in terms of challenges and what i've come across we could be here for, for hours and hours um, in all honesty with you i'd say obviously a couple of the big ones um when we first opened congleton um we opened i think it was in may um, back in 2018, I think it was. Excuse me. Um, and I think it was six months into the business. I remember sitting down with my family and they were saying, listen, we're struggling, you know, we're not making any money. Um, yes, it's great. There's loads of people in the restaurant. It's busy. But in terms of actual profit-wise, we're at a loss every single day, every single weekend. Um, and then all of a sudden it got to a point where, you know, we were we just weren't busy. Um it was like, you know, on a Saturday night, we'd do 20 people. And then some Sundays, we'd do zero people all day, um, which was very hard for us to understand. And there was a time where I remember sitting down. Um, and at the time, my one of my ex-partners was traveling away. And I remember saying, look, I'm going to sell the restaurant. I've, I'm had, I've had enough. I'm done with it. Um, I'm going to come, you know, to where you are in Australia, and we'll, we'll do that. Um so obviously going through that period, obviously it's not as easy to just sell up and run away as what I thought it was at the time. I thought 21 or I'll just drop everything and go. But I forgot, obviously I dragged my parents in on this, you know, so we had, you know, loans going out here, you know, we were debted up to the max. Um, and it was a very scary time um, seeing my parents, you know, waking up early, going to sleep night, struggling to sleep. Um, it was obviously a struggle for myself. Um, so that's when I kind of, I thought you know it was me that asked them to back me on this so I have to follow it through I've got to follow it through 
Um, so I just kind of knuckled down, got on with it, pulled my socks up. Um, and I think in three to four months, we managed to turn the restaurant around um, and we started actually seeing an income from the restaurant, um, which was crazy because I never, I've never worked and seen money coming in from other customers that's going to pay for a, my kind of life. I've never, I've only been paid from a, a company before. Um, and then after that, it got busier and busier and busier. And it, obviously then it got to the point where we were saying, you know, this, this place isn't big enough. You know, we can't fit any more people in. So that's when we decided to start looking. And obviously my hometown's all Sager. Um, lived there most of my life. That's where I grew up. So we managed to find a beautiful property and took that place on. Um, but then the challenges just kept coming and coming and coming. It was the same again. You know, we took all the staff on. We weren't making any money. Um, there's a lot of people with envy out there, a lot of jealous people, and they do anything they can to crush your business. So, yeah, the, the struggles are really intense. And uh, there was a lot of nights where I did go home thinking, you know, I don't want to do this again. And there was another period where I said to mum and dad, look, let's sell the restaurant in Allsage. I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, I'm going to go move to Dubai. I'm going to, you know, travel the world. I can't bother. I'm too young for this. Um, but again, it was just a phase, a fad. I got, I got on with it. And uh, I just kept working, kept working. I got some advice um, from other chefs. Um, I actually ended up getting a life coach as well, which helped me a lot. And then, um, yeah, I kept progressing. And now I'm very fortunate to have what I have. Um, but that is nothing crazy. It's just down to, to hard work, really, and uh, keeping going. Mm. It sounds like such a, you know, you wouldn't normally expect or even expect that to be the case, would you? And obviously, we all see casters from the outside. We all see Brad from the outside. We, we don't think, oh, it would have been so difficult. We just see, oh, I bet that was so easy. You know what I mean? Like, he's got all this stuff and, and, and this restaurant and this great place. We don't see the hardship and the challenges that you faced to get to that place. You know, and, and you being there is such a, a testament to your own hard work and your own skill and your own, you know, you mean perseverance, really, which is so fantastic. So obviously those different challenges then, it sounds such a, you know, but you've overcome them. Did they have an impact on your mental health, you know, at all throughout those periods? Um, obviously, mental health is obviously a, a big word in my eyes. And it gets thrown around a lot. A lot of people do say they struggle with mental health, but a lot of people just have bad days. Um, and the difference, obviously, between a bad day and mental health, I think, is massive. So... I, uh, there was a point, obviously, when I first started, and I just used to have a lot of bad days. But then it did get to the point where them bad days never really ended. And then that's when I thought, you know, something is possibly wrong with me. Um, you know, I spoke to my family, spoke to my friends, um, and it just never really seemed to get any better. But obviously, I was still turning up to work. You know, I was making sure my staff were there. You know, I think at the time I had, 20, I think it was 24 staff. So I was turning up to work, you know, I put, put a brave face on everyone, you know, in the restaurant thought, oh, you know, Brad's fine, he's making money, this and that. Um, but yeah, I was I was struggling behind the, the curtain, as a lot of people say. Um, that's when I did reach out. Um, and I do have a life coach and I've had a life coach for two years now. Um, and I still speak to him um, every month, um, just as a general catch up, just to see how everything's going. Um, at the time, I did used to struggle quite highly with anxiety. Um, I wouldn't really say I struggled with depression um, because I do think depression is such a really big topic. Um, and again, the difference between 
a bad day, bad week and a bad month and depression are two totally separate things. Um, but yeah, I was very high and very, you know, I was drinking a lot um, and I was taking substances that I was taking in my body that were not good, not helping me. Um, that's obviously when I thought, right, something's, something needs to stop. So that's when I started speaking to a life coach. Um, and then he started, you know, seeing my life from a different person because I've never met him. And it's easy for your friends and your family to say, oh, do this, do that. But when it comes from someone you don't know and they don't have any any kind of bond with you, you know, it's a different story. It's a different kind of, I don't know, a different feeling for me. So that's why I reached out to a life coach and it's possibly one of the best things I've ever done. Um, and now I'm, you know, a great shape. I've been, never been happy. I'm, I'm healthy. So, yeah, I did have a, a, a massive mental health struggle. Um, but I've definitely overcome for sure. Fantastic. Yeah, like you say, it's, I think it's really important to get that um, outside perspective on your own life. Because like you say, family members or friends or even yourself, you, you can't really see it as it could be or how it is. And like I say, that outside perspective can really help. So that, that's brilliant. And, and congratulations for not only overcoming these challenges, but for really going after what you want and not giving up. Because that it's I love seeing those kind of stories and love hearing those kind of things that you've really gone for it. Um, so obviously you know, obviously the pressure you've faced. Um, what you do then, um, chefing, obviously providing food and that kind of thing. Um, from my own uh, professional experience, I found that it can be a subjective thing because obviously you have the technical ability, the creative ability, uh, very similar to what I do in terms of filmmaking. That's very subjective. Um, you know, someone could, lo could love what you do and on the same flip note, they could hate what you do because it's not what they like. So do you find there's yeah, a, lot of, a lot of pressure from what you do um, in, in the same way where you know there's a you feel like a lot of pressure to really keep up to those people's standards to perhaps please customers or or you know you're in competition with other chefs who are doing other things where customers love what they do is there any kind of pressure you feel or you know that kind of things that you feel doing that thing kind of thing of course there's pressure um pressure that probably people you know, a lot of people have pressure on their jobs um, and I could never take that away from people. But I don't think some people understand the pressure that the hospitality industry go through. Um, for example, obviously, if you were to go out with your partner or your family for a birthday meal, you want that meal to be remembered for the rest of your life. You want it to go down. And, you know, when you go out the weekend, what did you do? I went here for someone's birthday. So having that pressure on yourself um, is very, very intense. Not only that, you have to bear in mind that if that person didn't enjoy the meal, um, they won't want to pay for that service. It's that simple. And then obviously the problem that you've got is if they don't want to pay for that service, not only have you wasted two hours of work, but that two hours of work is two hours of electricity that you've still got to pay for, two hours of wages of 20 staff you've still got to pay for. So the, uh, the, the pressure that you receive is in incredibly intense. When I first started in you know having a own restaurant it was a pressure that I really struggled to deal with and figure out time and time and now I've, I've started to figure it out um but like you mentioned about you know creativity and stuff it's it's one of the hardest things I think for hospitality because if you're constantly working I always think creativity comes from somewhere um outside of work or if you're sat at an office Finding creativity is one of the, the hardest things for a person, me especially, to do. I can't sit at a desk for longer than half an hour. 
so you know trying to create remember, menus and new events and stuff for people to come to the restaurant because if you're doing the same thing day in day out they're only going to come to you so long before they try somewhere else um i guess it's the same in your profession if you keep doing the same thing same thing you need to offer new services to stand out from you know your competitors um and there's a famous screenwriter i like to always compare his names um aaron sorkin um he did the social dilemma um so he's obviously very famous in his profession um and he always says his best time for creativity is when he's in the shower um and i think i can understand that and it actually got to a point he was in an interview once <clears throat> and in his office now he got a shower um, installed in the corner of his office and he actually has eight showers a day um because that way his creativity is always flowing the same like Roald Dahl, he, um, he actually stops writing at midday. So not a lot of people obviously know this kind of weird stuff. I just know a lot of weird things that it's quite strange. But he finishes writing at 12 o'clock every day and he goes for a four-hour walk. So when he was writing back in the peak. Um, so when he'd be walking, his mind would be ticking over in creativity. Um, so when he'd come back in the morning, he'd have a, an abundance of you know, you know, new things he could think about. And I think it's the same with creativity with myself. Um, and anyone in any profession, it doesn't just have to be in the hospitality or, or chefing. I always find, you know, when I'm in the gym, when I'm running, um, when I'm on holiday, when I'm eating in restaurants, that's where I find my creativity. And that's where, for me, the pressure just kind of drops down. Because um, if I'm always working, I can never find new ways to kind of get rid of that pressure. Um, so the pressure for myself is not really there anymore. I'm very fortunate to have a great team around me that always bring new ideas. Um, you know, I'm always expanding my team, which is fantastic. Um, and my, I say my staff, they're like, like family to me now. Um, they're always keeping an eye out for me. You know, if they see something's lacking, there's always someone there that's like, right, we need to change this because people aren't going to come back soon. So I'm very fortunate um, that the, the pressure in that, at, you know, that instance is, is very low for me now. But at the start, it was in, intense it was crazily high but I'm, I think I've dealt with it now and I'm good yeah I absolutely agree you know like you say that doing the work and, and really being in that because obviously you know you still have to look after the business at the end of the day aren't you you have to look after the, okay. the the kitchen you have to make sure everything's going right you have to provide the experience and, and it's almost like the creativity side of things is almost almost last on the list and that's almost sometimes the most important bit that you need to get to because that's what enables everything else um you know I, i've experienced the same kind of thing like i have to run a business on my own i have to do all the accounts i have to do all the marketing um, i have to do the production side mm -hmm. of things the technical ability and yet what makes all that stand out is the creativity side of things sometimes you can't really get to that because you haven't got time or even the mental space to get to oh, there yeah. so i can definitely uh relate to that and also agree on, on what you're saying so that's brilliant um but like you say you know the the eight showers a day and the the, the walking and the running it's it, it's always yeah. when you're not doing what you do where you find the ideas uh -huh. for that you know, it's always outside that uh -huh. you find those ideas isn't it isn't it um and that's brilliant but it's great that you know you're able to come up with these creative ideas and really make a different uh, experience for people because I, I really think you are revolutionary revolutionizing the fine dining experience really because when, when i've come to casters it feels different it feels different to anywhere else that i've been because of the kind of uh, thing you're mm. providing the, the the space that you've got and also because i think it, it's it's very personal because it's you um because when you mm. go to different restaurants you don't really know who owns that or who the staff are who the kitchen staff are and it feels very impersonal mm. 
But when I come to casters, I'm sure loads of other people will agree with me. When they come, it's because not only can they see you in the kitchen, it, they feel like they're having a personal experience, which is fantastic. Um, so obviously, in terms of looking at the creative things you've done then, over the lockdown period, uh, I'm sure it's been a, a really tough time as well. How have you coped with that then? What what kind of things have you had to do to ensure that not only your own survival, but that you can continue um, after the lockdown? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, I think are we on number three lockdown now, aren't we? You, yeah, we're on the third lockdown. Um, the first one was... Um, what was that, 10 months ago now, isn't it? Um, the first one was takeaways for us. Um, it was a very, obviously, it was a weird time for myself because I've never run a takeaway. And obviously a lot of people, um, they see casters as, as, you know, quite a high-end restaurant um, because it's not where you can just pop in for a quick meal. It's not, you know, it's not the cheapest. Um, you obviously pay for what you get. So the first lockdown for myself was, how can we provide a takeaway service that still meets the requirements of casters and the quality of food? Um, because, you know, when we, you know, say, for example, say we were doing burger takeaway, we don't like buy the burgers in, you know, our burgers, you know, they take up to eight hours process to get, you know, them in, make them and set them. And you have to set them overnight. It's, it's a hard process to do as a takeaway. Um, so it took us about a month and a half to figure out how we can, adapt run a takeaway um as easy as what people think it is to just cook a bit of food and put it in a box and someone pick it up it really isn't that easy um so obviously the first lockdown was takeaways for us um and we were extremely busy um i can't i can't thank everyone enough for actually supporting us you know there was some nights where we were doing you know 300 takeaway orders a night which was it was crazy we were really struggling to keep up we were turning so many people away we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't have been any busier um and obviously as a thank you we did um, a lot of food for the nhs um you know the people that are working in care homes for that i think um i think we did over two thousand meals that we you know we gave out for free um which was it was more of a thank you for what they were doing so obviously the first lockdown was a big 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 shock um it was nothing that anyone could have expected and then we ended up I think it was a second lockdown. Um, we did takeaways again, but we started doing like theme events. So we did like um, a peri-peri night, um, you know, a two guys night, which was obviously burgers. Um, but it did start to die off, which we did start to struggle um, in the second lockdown. And then luckily it wasn't long, so we managed to open back up. Um, but then this lockdown has been a lot different. Um, we have just decided to actually shut the doors um because it wasn't financially worth opening for lockdown for lockdown takeaways obviously people are are feeling the bite with financials so you know uh, it's it's sad to to go on about but the amount of jobs that have have been lost over the past six months is is actually quite crazy you know i've i've seen the news a few times and there's thousands and thousands of jobs um so there's not a lot of many people that are are having the, the takeaway food and not only that, it's trying to compete with, you know, the likes of, you know, these big supermarkets uh, for the meal deals that they do. You know, we've got our Valentine's um, next week, um, which we are very fortunate. We're extremely busy with them. We sold a lot more boxes than what I was anticipating, which is great. But at the same time, for our meal for two is £80, and then you're competing with the likes of, you know, Marks and Spencers that can do 
exactly the same for £20. It's, it's trying to find that happy medium. So we have uh, been shut now for six weeks. Um, the doors have been closed. Like I was saying previously, we've been relaxing, um, catching up on a lot of much-needed sleep, um, a lot of much-needed paperwork. I think we're just about caught with it now. Um, and then we've got the Valentine's weekend next week. Um, and then after that, we are going to shut the doors again for the rest of the month of February. And then we're hoping in March, we're going to you know, sit down with all the team and the staff and the chefs and hopefully come up with some ideas um, to bring something new and different. Um, but that, again, is still indecisive. It's not 100% yet. We're just working on it. Maybe I need to uh, get myself in the shower and find a bit of creativity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that might have a few of them that gets all this all the sparks and ideas that'll help uh, but no it, it, it like you say it's been such a difficult time for so many people um because before lockdown and before any of this if a business was in trouble or if anyone was in trouble in their personal finances or in their own lives they could turn to someone else who would be okay but i think because everybody is in the same situation or even worse situation we've got no one's got anyone to t- to turn to so then we're all struggling, you know what I mean? So like you say, with the takeaways, um, people got, perhaps haven't got the financial um, value to perhaps invest in that. So then obviously businesses struggle. And, you know, it's just a big vicious circle. And it's such a shame to see all that happening. Um, but it's great that, you, you know, yeah. you're going ahead with the Valentine's thing. I've seen some of the posts for that. It looks great. Um, and I'm sure loads of people mm-hmm. will be will be more than happy to invest in and to be getting the stuff from you because it's such high quality stuff, which would be great. Um, and obviously, you know, throughout the lockdowns, you've done a few themed, like you say. Um, you did the pop-up event for Christmas, uh, which was great. Um, and obviously, that's had um, mixed reviews, lots of positive reviews. People loved it. But then also some perhaps negative reviews. Um, what kind of thoughts yeah. have you got then as to regards to that in terms of the perhaps negative reviews? Um, is that just from the the Christmas one? The Christmas pop-up I did, yeah. Yeah, so the Christmas pop-up one, and obviously we have a few more we can move on to and then talk about, but specifically yeah. that one, that would be good to talk oh, about. Obviously, it was a weird time again. Obviously, it was still, everyone was shut, and it was, I think it was the first weekend of Christmas, um, and leading up to it, our local Christmas light switch on got cancelled. Um, so we were walking around and we were saying to the staff, like, it doesn't feel like Christmas, you know. We were all sitting down having a meeting because at the time we were doing takeaways, we were saying, you know, normally this time of the year, we wouldn't be sitting down because we'd have a full restaurant. You know, we'd be sweating. We'd be like, what is going on? We can't keep up. And it was just a very weird feeling. You know, there was no Christmas music around. There was no Christmas decorations. Um, and then we said, why don't we do a Christmas pop-up? Like, um, like a, you know, a little, some bring a bit of festive festivity to the to the town so that's when I thought right okay we've got obviously a large courtyard which you've seen um so we said let's do a small Christmas market out front um and we'll sell like you know hot baps mulled wine um asahi which a lot of people you know are missing um and yeah so we did it and we had a, a, a small bit of a market for it um you know I invited one of my friends down um to do because he has his own private chef company so i invited him down to do his own little stall on there we made a lot of fresh stuff so we made like cookies you know homemade jams chutneys cheese board more wine kit played christmas music we got all the staff dressed up um and honestly for what i thought was going to be 
I thought it was going to be very relaxed. You know, we were expecting between 50 to 100 people to turn up. Um, uh, but boy, was I wrong. Um, I think we started to get a queue, you know, 15 minutes before we actually opened. Um, and I think within the hour, I think we had about 400 people queuing up, um, which was uh, crazy. Like, I, I was never expecting it to be like that. Um, so it was very, very busy. Obviously, we ran out of food an hour in, um, which there's nothing we can really do about that. It is what it is. And then that's when the negative, uh, obviously, comments came came into the situation. Uh, on my behalf, I think the casters team did a fantastic job um, because obviously the, the the market was on my premises at the time. So anyone who was on my premises, you know, obviously wore a mask, even though all my staff were fully PPP'd up, um, they wore a mask when they were on the premises. And when they were queuing, um, you know, they were keeping, you know, the two metre distance. But unfortunately, when people were driving past, they obviously saw, you know, large amount of people on the street. Um, and then obviously just jumping to conclusions saying, you know, uh, you know, they're not social distancing, you know, Brad's breaking the rules. Um, and then we actually got a visit from the police. So the police turned up and said, look, we've had a, a phone call saying, Brad from Casters is having a street party. <laughs> so can you uh, can you go down and have a look? So obviously the police turned up. Um, there was a lot of negative comments. You know, the, the team at the time I felt extremely sorry for because they were getting a lot of grief off people online. Um, myself, the, the grief that I was getting myself was, you know, I'm sure you might have seen some of the comments I was getting was absolutely ludicrous. It was, it was at the time very very hurtful um for a few hours it was hard to get around why people were making comments like that but it is what it is and unfortunately you can't please everyone um luckily you know we did do another one the week after um and again it was a great success we learned we learned a few things from it um, and how we could improve for the the next time we did and we did we did so the police again turned up um but said i'm sorry we've just had a phone call to come out you know, the police that okayed it, they said, you're doing a fantastic job, wished us luck. Um, and they were more just annoyed that we ran out of food, to be honest, because they were quite hungry. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it is what it is. No matter what you do, um, which I've found quite recent, as soon as you start doing something different, um, and if people are, you know, bored or whatever, they're going to pick up on it. Um, so as, as, as hard as it is, you just kind of have to try and, you know, ignore the, the harsh comments um, and just crack on. But it is what it is, really, at the end of the day. We did a fantastic job. The Casters team did a great job. Um, and, yeah, can't can't fault them for it. Really? Yeah, obviously, obviously, I've seen all the things online and, um, you know, from not only your own page posts from Casters, obviously the website and things, but also all the different news articles and whatnot about it. Um, and I think, you know, people really needed something like that. You know, people were struggling. And I think... A lot. It's very easy to forget that you know it's that festive feeling, those festive moments, that that feeling of happiness that can really boost people's morale and mental health and really help with that. Um, you know, so I think 
I, I can imagine it being such a difficult situation to, to, to be in um, because obviously having to make that decision to not only go ahead with it but also to receive that backlash as well um, and I think that brings us on to what you're up to at the moment or what you've just, just, just been up to um, it's obviously um, you've been up to, to Dubai and obviously different places around the world and things um, have you seen a similar kind of um, perhaps response from that so what you're doing and, and what you know what were you doing over there um, so yeah, obviously it was, I think I flew out to Dubai on the 30th or the 31st of December. Um, so at the time there was no, you know, travel restrictions, you know, you could fly to AUE, the Dubai, uh, the Maldives, Abu Dhabi, you know, all these places you could fly to legally as long as you had the right documentation. Um, if you didn't have the right documentation, you couldn't fly. Um, but obviously I was lucky enough to fly. Then obviously when I was out there, um, it was as it did start off as a holiday. It was much for myself. It was a much needed holiday. I needed a break um, from everything. I understand obviously, you know, everyone working hard and everyone needs a break now. Um, obviously, the situation that I'm in is obviously a different situation to other people. In you know, other people have to obviously go to their boss and see if they can get time off work and this and that. Obviously, the way I've worked, it's not lucky that I'm in the position I'm in. Um, I've worked hard to be in the position I'm in. Um, and I think if anyone does disagree with that, unfortunately, it's one of them things. But, you know, I've worked very hard to be the position I'm in and to be my own boss. And if I do need to get away, you know, I, I, I do just, just get up and go, which I'm very, very grateful for. Um, so, yeah, when I was out there, I was um having a, a nice break going to some amazing restaurants seeing some some friends that are over there um that i used to know from gordon ramsay's um and then i did actually managed to land a bit of work out there um because obviously the, there was a lockdown in the uk at the time when i was already out there so i did extend my, my trip i did a stage um at a nice restaurant there two weeks um and then you know at the end of it i did come home but again, there was no, you know, I had the right documentation. Um, nothing that I did do was illegal, which obviously some of the comments that were online were uh, very different from it. Um, so then when I landed in the UK, um, I obviously isolated for my 10 days, um, which has finished today, actually. So I'm, uh, I'm allowed out today. But the comments that I got online were very horrific. Um I, I did a, a quick radio interview um, with the BBC explaining my, my reasoning for Dubai because a lot of people just thought I went for a five-week holiday. Um, but, you know, even in my industry, going away for a week and eating at restaurants, you know, new cultures, some people find it very, very hard to believe that is an educational trip. Um, but in the hospitality and the chef industry, like I was saying earlier, the only way for chefs to learn not only chefs, people in the hospitality industry in general, the only way for them to learn to get motivated is eating at other restaurants and other, you know, places, whether it's UK, Europe, you know, Dubai, wherever. And at the time, the only place that I was legally allowed to travel to was Dubai. So that's why I went for, um, you know, a small break. And obviously when I was there, the situation I was in changed and I ended up staying for work. So then I stayed, did my work, and then I come home. And then obviously UK is still in a lockdown. So I did get a lot of mixed reviews saying, you know, he's irresponsible, he shouldn't have travelled and this and that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, there was no laws broken. 
um, if I did something illegal, you know, I wouldn't be here on this podcast now. I'd, I'd be in prison or something. So, you know, you can't, like I said earlier, you can't please everyone. A lot of people that matter to me know the reason why I went um, and they know deep down I'm a good guy for what I do and everything. And that, for me, is all that matters. Um, and then obviously, uh, I think it was yesterday, an article came out um, about me online and actually in the newspapers, which I found out, um, that had no relation to anything that I've said or done. It was all just words and pictures that they got offline and, you know, they've seen in other interviews I've done. Um, and it went viral. It was it was like the talk of the town. Everyone was on about it. And it did get a big backlash, not on myself, my family, um, and also my business, which was the hardest thing. But a lot of people cancel our Valentines um, because they put in the papers that I went to Dubai for five weeks and I worked for two hours in the whole five weeks, which I don't know where they got the story from. I don't know where they got all the information from. And the headline was um, restaurant owner defends his business trip to Dubai. Again, it's something that I've never said. I didn't even speak to them. I've not done because I have nothing to defend because I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> but again, like I said, you know, the, the, the comments that people do get, get, to me now um you kind of get used to it um you know a year ago they used to break me down I used to end up staying in my room and I'd drink a crate of beer for three days and no one would hear or see off me but now any negativity I do get um it's more of like a fueling system for me um I'm very good at blocking you know any negativity out because then the day if you're doing something different that's where people talk about you if you were doing the same thing day in day out you'd be irrelevant. Um, and that's why I think they jumped on the bandwagon and saw a, an opportunity to get a good article and get some clickbait and get a bit of a payout for it. But, you know, I did get in touch with them and they sincerely apologised. And today they've put a formal apology in the newspaper for the article um, for having my consent, which is, is very grateful of them. But at the end of the day, they shouldn't have done what they did. Yeah, it's, it's such a difficult time, isn't it? Because... Obviously, you have not only before, like you said, obviously throughout your story, the, the kind of challenges that you faced, not only to get to where you are now, but then to then have all of this extra stuff that they then have to deal with, um, you know, and, and it's such a difficult time, you know, because obviously, you know, these different things to make these decisions to actually go over there and obviously, like you say, do the research. Because, um, for example, if I want to research for my filmmaking, watching films is research, and a lot of, mm -hmm. to a lot of people that that would, that would be seen as oh you're just just sitting around watching films but that is research because like you say in a creative yeah. profession creative craft you have to actually go out there and, and do those kind of things so I can imagine how difficult that was to not only make the decision to go over there and, and do that kind of thing and obviously do the working but then obviously coming back and then perhaps thinking oh okay well is this decision been you know how is it going to be received by so many people so I can mm -hmm. completely see how difficult that will have been and the kind of things you're under um, but I think. At the moment, like I was saying before, because everyone is such in such a bad situation individually in across the world, all of these mm -hmm. different comments that are coming across is just perhaps sometimes making the situation a little bit worse for people. Um, because mental health and anxiety, depression, suicide has absolutely skyrocketed um, since the first lockdown uh, last year uh, and continues to rise because of all these different things that are happening to so many people. Um, and I think, you know, to see that, 
you know, in terms of articles being released and things, not even speaking to you, um, you know, it, it is is going to have a damage effect on you as a personal as a person and your business, which you know isn't at the end of the day what we're after. You know, we're trying to help each other work together to ensure that we're all mm-hmm. safe and secure, and, and and you know what I mean, having a good time, but in the best way yeah, we can. Sure. You know what I mean? So I can see how difficult that is, um, uh, but. What advice then would you give to those listening who who are not only facing what you face at the moment, those kind of difficult decisions, but also what you face when you were first starting out, you know, trying to get to where you are? Yeah. Um, it's it's also a tough one because back when I first started, my perspective on things obviously are a lot different now. Um, the journey that I've been on the past three years are crazy. Um, but I'd say there's the two things that obviously stand out for me. Um, what I've learned incredibly amount is the first one is knowing the right time to leave a situation. Now, when I say that is, I don't mean that, I mean, that in any situation, so it could be a job, um, a relationship, you know, with your partner, um, a friendship, even a party, it literally could be absolutely anything. Um, and the reason behind that is if you're in a situation where it's just toxic or it doesn't bring any value to yourself, you need to get yourself out of there. Um, over the past two years, I've had many situations of that, not so much as jobs, um, but business situations which um, have been detrimental to me. I've had to make decisions that I never thought I'd have to at you know, such a young age. Um, partnerships, relationships that I've you know, had to make really big decisions in, um, thinking, is it going to be value- valuable to me? Is it going to be worth it? Um, so that's for me is the biggest one, um, and it's not something that you can learn straight away. You know, you have to make a lot of you know mistakes and sacrifices to know when it's the right time. It's only now, over the past three to four months, that I now know if it's not going to bring any value to me, I just won't bring them into my life. And unfortunately, it's quite hard to do, and a lot of people find it very, very tough. But nothing in life comes easy. That's what I always say. So everything always starts off bad, but at the end of it, there's always going to be a bright light. Um, and the second one for myself um, is putting yourself first. Um, I was always a, a people pleaser. So I was always, no matter how I felt, no matter how I was doing, no matter what financial situation I was in, I was always put someone else first, whether it was a, you know, a partner of mine or a, someone of my staff members or family member or friend, I would do anything I physically could to make myself look good in front of them and make them happy, which at the time I thought was probably one of the best things because everyone was like, oh, Brad this, Brad that. Um, and it was possibly one of the worst mistakes I've ever done in my life. Um, you know, now I put my, again, this is only something I've learned over the past six months. You know, it's it's not something that I've, been doing for the past three years it's only something new to me and it's something that you know my life coach has taught me um and since putting yourself first you know your diet's good you know you know cutting out you know stuff in my lifestyle that I never wanted to do and now I'm putting myself first the reaction that other people bring to me now is amazing you know when people see me they're like oh you know you're dead happy dead healthy and for me that's the best thing um because you can't give somebody 100% if you're only 50% full. And that's what I always say. And a lot of people go around 
you know, trying to find happiness in someone else. So if they're not happy in themselves, how can they be happy with someone else? Which is what I tell a lot of people. And a lot of people look at me and say, oh, you're, you're 24, you know, what do you know? You don't know anything. And, you know, I've, obviously I've still got a long way to go. And I'm not saying I do know everything, but I've learned a lot in such a short space. Um, so for myself, always put yourself first. And as hard as it is, cut them people out. Um, cut the people out that don't really bring any value to your life. Um, it is going to be tough. It is going to be tough. It's nothing, nothing's going to be easy. But if you want to be in a position where, you know, you, you can start accumulating, you know, some good financial ways, um, a bit of freedom in your life, um, learn to be happy on your own. And when you do meet the right person or meet the right job, I can tell you things will change um, for the better, not for the worse, for sure. It's, it's such great advice, you know, because like you say, you know, being a younger person, it's very easy for people to think, oh, well, you know, you're a, a younger, so, you know, what do you know, like you say, but it's the fact that you are at a young age and you've done all these fantastic things, you know, you've come from such a difficult situation in terms of wanting to go after your passion and now getting to where you are now, where you can actually say, well, I've actually achieved my passion and where do I go now? So you, have, you do know a lot of stuff, which is, I think a lot of people will benefit from your advice in, in being able to follow um, similar footsteps as to what you've done. Um, so honestly, it's absolutely fantastic and you've given some great uh, advice throughout what you've said. So, a question that I ask all my all my guests um, is, what is making you happiest right now? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. That <laughs> obviously at the moment it's um, it's a tough situation in the world. So obviously for myself, before all of this, for myself, going out with friends, eating at restaurants, you know, being able to be with my family was for myself was the best feeling ever, but. Because obviously times have changed, everyone's situation is different. For myself, what's making me happiest right now is seeing my friends happy, um, which I know goes against a little bit what I just said about putting yourself first. But because I put myself first in any situation now, that's not even a context chat for me. So when I check up on my friends and my family and when they all say, you know, I'm doing great, you know, I'm happy, I'm healthy, for me, that is something that's, you know, is, is priceless at the end of the day. And when you see your friends doing well in business, it's something that money can't buy. Um, so, yeah, I'm, uh, that's for myself right now. Seeing people healthy, fit and happy um, is for me is all I really need. And I'm very, very grateful for it. Yeah. Brilliant. Honestly, it, it's been great to hear your story, Brad, and um, hear a bit more about you as a person, um, the person behind the business, you know, behind the, the chef, you know, the, the, the know you. And I think everyone listening will will, will, will really find uh, a bit of humility uh, in what you're saying, which is fantastic. So thank you so much for joining me, Brad. It's been great to hear all about what you've said. Uh, if you want to find Brad, obviously, he's got his casters um, on his website, on, on Facebook, type casters and you'll be able to find anywhere his business um, obviously hopefully soon you'll be able to come back and, and deliver such a great fantastic service for everyone to enjoy uh, so thank you for everyone listening um, I hope you enjoyed listening to Brad's story we'll have lots of fantastic guests in the next episodes uh, and I'll see you again thank you for joining us Brad thank you mate take care